Hello, and welcome to the Brain Break Room. I am your host, Dr. Sarah Taylor, and today we are going to be talking about a fun brain topic on a smaller scale than usual. This is a topic I've always been interested in, but haven't really dived into, so now is the time. Um, Also, we have a special bonus aspect to this episode, which is that This is the very first episode of February that I've recorded actually in February. So happy Black History Month, everybody. Today's episode, I'm going to take you magic school bus style from really big picture down to the work of specific scientists. And for those specific scientists, I'll be highlighting the work of black scientists and links to all of their lab websites and any papers I talk about will be in the show notes. So Let's get into it. I am going to be talking about today. You will be listening to about today brain cells, but not the ones you think. So in our brain, we have your classic neurons, which are little processing units and communication between them is what makes everything happen. There are 86 billion neurons in our brain. Also, Random fun fact, courtesy of Google, 86 billion was Bill Gates' net worth in 2017. Just to give you an idea of how many neurons there are in our brain, it once was the same amount of money as Bill Gates. So a lot, a lot, a lot of neurons. Each neuron is then connected to up to 10,000 others, which makes for 860 trillion connections. That's 860 trillion points of communication in our brain. Neuroscientists love these little cells and these connections. It is the bread and butter of studying the brain. But I would also like to present for your consideration another type of brain cell, the hipster cells of the brain, the glia cell. So first, I call it the hipster cell because neurons are pretty mainstream and well studied, but there's a subculture of neuroscientists that really, really love these glia and point out how much of the stuff that we credit neurons for really depend on them and how much the studies that are looking at neurons alone are missing. Before I get too much further, um, let's just cover what are glia in a nutshell. They are brain cells that seem to support neurons. So it doesn't seem like their main job is passing along information like neurons and their job, but they have other roles that I I will go to in it. What? What? That I will get to in a minute. Okay. Third, um, I'm going to do a little bit of myth busting. So for a while, there was a staggering statistic going around that there were 10 glia for every one neuron. It turns out this wasn't published anywhere. No one scientist claimed to have evidence for this. It was just something that was probably like overheard at the bar of a science conference happy hour and then passed along like the latest celebrity gossip through all the scientists and the grad students and textbooks and research assistants because no one would keep such a crazy fact to themselves. I mean, with such a neuron-focused field, the idea that they were so outnumbered by glia is insane. But actually, it's not true. 
So the latest evidence points to there being just about one glia cell for every one neuron, which makes for 85 billion glia in your brain, which is still a whole heck of a lot of glia. It has been a minute. It's been a moment. So what do these glia actually do? Well, they come in multiple types. The three main types I'm going to talk about are microglia, astrocytes, and oligodendrocytes. So we'll start with microglia. They are the brain's immune cells. And I don't know how much you have thought about your brain's immune system. I know I really didn't until I was reading neurosciencey things, but it's actually really cool. There's something called the blood-brain barrier that physically separates your body environment from your brain environment. And it only lets certain things pass through. So it's like a first line of defense. It's a giant, semi-permeable first line of defense to like physically block things. Then to handle everything else, you have your microglia. So when a neuron is sick or there are debris building up, it is your microglia that go clean up. Um, That rhymed. Okay, exciting. Um, The same is true when you have an injury. So the microglia will go to the spot of the injury and like start sweeping up debris, um, which is very cute. But in addition to being these little cleaners, they're also warriors that will fight off infection. So the best way I came up in my head to really describe microglia microglia is that they're the first aid pac-man of your brain anything that shouldn't be there they just munch it up and break it down sound good sound good okay so researchers used to think that microglia kind of stood guard like covered their territory and kind of like a zone defense type of thing. But Ukpong Ao, who's now faculty at the University of Virginia, discovered that a portion of microglia rearrange on the daily. So 10 to 15% of your microglia don't just stand around. They move every day um, in something described as monitoring the microglial landscape, which brought me down a really interesting brain path. And I will take you with me on that path. You're welcome, and I'm also sorry in advance. So this is a bizarre metaphor, but stay with me. So what if your microglia, yes, they're first aid Pac-Man, but they're also cute little sheep. In the brain, it's just a grassy field. And so in order for the sheep to make sure they're covering all the grass, which is not a thing that sheep do, but let's just say that it is, They mostly stay in space, but then a little subset of sheep roam around to fill in any gaps left by the stable slash lazy sheep that are staying pretty much in place. Okay, so this was um, discovery number one, that you have some wandering sheep. Dr. Ao went a step further to identify what it was that was helping with the organization of the microglia slash sheep. And hello metaphor once again coming through this receptor is the herding sheepdog the metaphor continues okay so why does this sheep and microglia arrangement slash landscape even matter well when traumatic things to your brain like seizures or acute injury happen many more than 10 percent of the microglia move it's more like 
30 to 40 percent as they go to the source of the injury. And Dr. Ao found that without the herding sheepdog receptor, this relocation doesn't happen as much. So a few thoughts just to kind of tie this all together. I know we've been kind of all over the place. I just told you what microglia are. And then I'm like, but also they stay still, but also they move. And there's sheep. But now from Dr. Ao's work, we know that it is normal for little sheep to be wandering and not all standing guard. Two, we know that wandering with a purpose towards injury or something like that is a natural response. And so now we can see that if some people don't have like a normal brain immune response, we can check to see if their herding sheepdog receptor is intact. So that's all kinds of neat stuff from just this one study in Dr. Ao's lab. Awesome. And with that, we are going to take a break and we will be right back. Okay, so today's spark plug is for my local bookshop, Reads and Company in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. So I went to Reads and Company this past weekend, and in addition to my husband and I's usual haul of like six different books, I got to pick out my first ever book blind date. Okay, so if you haven't seen these, it's when books are wrapped in um, wrapping paper. So you don't know what cover it is. You don't know what book it is, even what author it is. All you have is a cute little description to pick it. And these were all decorated for Valentine's Day, which we don't really do stuff for Valentine's Day. We're like, I love you. You love me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. good. Um, But for this Valentine's Day, we have this cute little blind date book that we picked out and we haven't opened it yet. And I'm very excited. And the tag just says bilingual love poems by a Nobel laureate. Ooh, what will it be? Okay, it's very, very exciting. That is my spark plug. Go check out your local bookstore um, and maybe get yourself a blind date book. And we are back. Okay, so moving on from the pastoral metaphors and getting back to glial types, we have astrocytes. So this is the second type of glia I mentioned. Astrocytes help form the environment around neurons, and they also shape the communication between them. So I like to think of them as like mediators or couples therapists, though Really, they're probably family therapists because at one point of neuron contact, there's probably several other neurons connecting up. But anyway, um, how the conversation goes between neurons is in control somewhat of these astrocytes. They can change the words of the con. You can't see the quotes, but I'm doing quotey hands. The words that are available between these neurons, which in neuron language are chemicals, so neurotransmitters. Astrocytes can control how much of each neurotransmitter or word is there for the neurons to communicate with, which is very cool. So Dr. Nathan Smith in his lab at the Children's National Health System in George Washington University School of Medicine 
in health sciences, recently found a new, even faster way that astrocytes can mediate the communication between neurons. So normally this has to do with releasing calcium, which takes seconds. Dr. Smith showed that they can also release prostaglandin E2. Okay, when I first read this, this meant nothing to me. I googled it. Apparently, it is a lipid, um, which means it doesn't dissolve in water and it's an organic compound probably has a fatty acid tail all kinds of fun chemistry stuff and this specific lipid helps deal with inflammation okay it's just a thing that the astrocyte can release that's not calcium and the release of this prostaglandin e2 is even faster way to change how neurons talk to each other than calcium. So I don't really have a good, precise scientific sense of what kind of impact this change in speed from calcium to this lipid is, but I'm having a lot of fun imagining it as fixing all of your problems in the first therapy session instead of years. That is likely hyperbole at best in terms of a metaphor, but that's what we're going to go with. That is the impact and is super cool that they now know about it because before researchers were assuming that astrocytes need to use calcium. No, they don't, says Doc, Dr. Smith. Amazing. Finally, the last type of glia are oligodendrocytes, which is really fun to say once you get the hang of it. Um, They give neuron arms little hugs and cover them in insulation called myelin, which helps make communication between neurons faster. So the best example of why we need this is that the longest neuron is about two meters long and runs from your spinal cord all the way down to the tip of your toe. So in order for this signal passing through the neuron, which is in this case electricity, to get all of that way, myelin covers the neuron arm to make sure the electricity doesn't eke out along the way. And I I really want to get like zany metaphor bingo and come up with another one for this, but really the best one is the simplest one, which is that myelin, which the oligodendrocytes make is just like insulation for a wire or a power line. Boom. Done. It's very similar um, and it's really important. So when this myelin gets messed up or there's a problem with the oligodendrocytes and they don't make the myelin anymore, then you end up with multiple sclerosis or MS, which is a hugely painful, debilitating disease. So that's the type of impact that these little glia called oligodendrocytes have. So that is your fast and furious tour of glia. There's so many more interesting things related to glia. There's all sorts of relationships to different diseases, including MS, like I talked about, Alzheimer's, ADHD, depression, epilepsy, glioma, which is a brain cancer that starts in glia cells. And there are even other types of glia in the brain that I didn't talk about. And there are glia outside the brain in the nervous system and the rest of the body that I also didn't talk about. So this is a really, really exciting field of neuroscience right now because there are so many more questions than there are scientists studying them. Like 
we still haven't caught up to the idea that the neuron might not be. Well, okay, maybe this is metaphor bingo. Help us all. I'm going to do a One Direction metaphor. Okay, if the neuron is like the Harry Styles of One Direction, the rest are Glia. Like, they can have solid, independent careers. They also do really great supporting as a group. They're all important and special in their own way. Oh, no. (laughs) That was another metaphor that told you more about me as a person than it did about the scientific topic. But I'll probably leave it in because here I am, folks. Okay. Bum, ba-dum, bum, bum. There are lots of questions about glia. Scientists are studying them, but not a bunch of scientists. So there's like basically this whole frontier of neuroscience to be explored. And there are several other black scientists in particular that are working on glia that I did not get the chance to mention. But I looked up their work and it's very neat. So I just want to highlight them at the end here. Um, Dr. Michael Burton looks at how immune system interacts with the nervous system and microglia. Dr. Susan Campbell looks at, well, now this is, this is a combination. She looks at glia, neurons, and the gut microbiome and how they all interact and how all of those interactions are related to epilepsy. Very cool. Dr. Sidhana Jackson studies the blood-brain barrier and glioma. And Dr. Amanda Brown and also Dr. Deanna Williams study HIV and glia. I wanted to include some of their research, but honestly, it was so detailed and complex. I need to do a lot more reading up before I'm ready to talk about their work. Um, Also, Dr. Monique Mendez just wrote her thesis on the process of microglia self-renewal, which is something I didn't know happened, but apparently microglia, most of them like live for a really long time in your body, like they're adult microglia, but then sometimes when microglia recognize that they need more of themselves around, they will start dividing. So um, Dr. Mendez looked into this, which is very cool. So that is just a sampling of the amazing work being done by black scientists in this field. Um, If you're on Twitter, there is a hashtag that's hashtag black glial researchers with short bios and also links to scientists to follow. You can also go on the black and neuro website and go to their membership tab and look people up by their area of study. So with that, I will wrap up, remind you once again, if you're interested in getting a little extra something something about the episode in your inbox every week, you can sign up and subscribe for the weekly newsletter. There we go. Sign up for the weekly newsletter. If you're worried that you've missed excellent content, don't worry. There are archive newsletters that people that subscribe, you'll be able to get access to them. Let's see other important things. Um, If you have a second and you want to rate the show or write a nice comment about it, please do. That'd be wonderful. Thank you so, so much for listening. And I will see you next time in the Brain Break Room. Bye, y'all.